Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> evening and welcome to a very special episode of progressively horrified this is jeremy and emily here and as you all may know i am based in durham north carolina recently i learned through the grapevine that one of our local theaters here the carolina theater is putting on a horror film festival called the nevermore film festival running from february 25th through the 27th you can buy tickets for physical showings or digital showings online at carolinatheater.org now, we were lucky enough to partner with the Nevermore Film Festival to get advanced screenings of a few of the films that will be showing and a chance to talk to some of the directors. And today, we're very excited to be joined by Mark J. Parker, the director of the excellent horror short Twin. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. And thank you for calling my film excellent. Oh, my gosh. Very cool. Of course. Of course. <laughs> we're fans. Thank you. Certainly. Yeah, we, we really enjoyed it. It was a nice uh, opportunity to get to watch some of this stuff in advance so we can tell people about it hopefully uh, get people psyched up to come out to the film festival and check it out absolutely yeah i'm i'm so grateful and happy to be part of nevermore because it's been on my radar for a while twin is my third professional short i always i like to say professional because i mean we've all been making shorts since like childhood but like legit so nevermore was always on my mind but i would always like somehow miss a deadline or like just somehow miss it so i'm really happy to be part of it because it seems like a really cool fest good team so yeah yeah and the carolina theater for people who haven't been there is a really cool location it's kind of an uh old school movie theater it's right there off the street it's got you know their one big hall where they do a lot of concerts and things but then in addition to that they have several other places where they're, they're just showing movies in there at any given time and it connects to our convention center when we have our north carolina comic-con here in durham it's all sort of part of that. They do a big movie festival to go along with it as well. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. Yeah, it seems like a great place. So, yeah. And another festival, Out South Queer Festival, I believe, is some of the same team members. So that's, I think, how I was able to get Twin in was knowing Jim from that team who also uh, is, is part of the Nevermore. So my previous short family history screen there. That's a good rec, too, for, for folks who are looking yeah. for other horror fests because that uh, the out south is is not specifically horror but it's specifically queer so they do have plenty of queer horror stuff as well as uh every other type of movie you could conceivably think of so mark i think this might be a lot of our audience's first time uh experiencing some of your your films or at least as far as they know because you're sort of a jack of all trades with film and tv uh so why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself and, and sort of how you got into this so it's funny because I just finished working on a on a film, a short film. It's like a concept trailer yesterday. So forgive me if my brain is a little all over the place because it's funny how like when you're on set, one day equals like a week. Uh -huh. um, but so <laughs> right. But so uh, so yeah, I, I'm in Southern Maine now. But I I grew up uh, right outside of Philadelphia, and as a as a kid was auditioning lots of times in New York and. So I was a, a child actor and got into indie film that way and loved it. And even my dad, through me, kind of became an indie producer. So we were sort of like a little bit of like a duo there. Um, and so, yeah, from there, then I, I moved to New York and I lived in New York City for about 14 years. 
I kind of got my my foot in the door in a lot of daytime TV in New York, which was fun until it all of a sudden one day was really not. Um, it's just so repetitive, as everyone knows. And it was cool. Everyone gets excited by celebrities. So that was really cool. And I got to meet Beyonce and Wes Craven, you know, randomly came to the Wendy Williams show when I was there and I quit and I was like, I will wait until West comes and that will be my last day. But yeah, so I did a lot of daytime TV and a lot of TV in general. And then one day just realized like, yeah, like I want to get more into like actual like narrative indie stuff and kind of accidentally got into that. And then even more accidentally got into casting. So I, I'm in addition to writer, director, producer, podcaster, acting coach, I also cast mostly indie films now, but I was at ABC for a while casting what would you do a hidden camera show that we shot in North Carolina a couple times. So I kind of have done a few different things, uh, but it's always sort of been between the TV and film worlds. Now I work for a, a theater, uh, a sort of regional Broadway theater in name, but I was able to merge the theater world with my video and film world. So I make uh, video content for that. So that's sort of me in a nutshell ish. I think. Nice. Yeah. I, I could see that level of finesse in Twin, for sure, yeah. which is a, a lovely little, very contained, very astute little horror film set in Maine. Right down the road from where I am right now. That, oh, uh, really? The cottage that we filmed in, we actually owned, my husband and I owned that cottage up until a couple months ago. We decided to sell it because it was the time to sell and make a lot of money. I hate to say it. But yeah, I mean, for, we had that for a few years. That was the first house we owned. We were living in New York. My husband's from Maine and Southern Maine. Agunquid, if you guys haven't been, you gotta go. It's such an awesome town, really all year, but especially, of course, summer and fall. But as soon as we got the cottage, it was so cute. And, and we, we just upheld everything from the previous owner. We barely really made it that way. We just kind of kept it all as is. And the whole time I was like, man, this is so interesting and it's so perfect and cute and instagrammable like there's got to be some sort of like creepy backstory that all this nice paint is covering up so that kind of got my gears turning for just a straightforward little ghost story you know any evidence of haunting no sadly no it is a hundred <laughs> years old it was they they it's a whole row of cottages it was about i think it's 20 cottages so it was very if you've seen the strangers too Pray at Night, I think it was called. That was a vacation cottage setting, which I thought was awesome and kind of made me think of ours. Ours were, I hate to say, a little cuter. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a little like vacation destination, seasonal cottage. So I thought there's just something here that you don't see too much in horror movies of like a little coastal seasonal place that like has some sort of secret. And it's the end of the season where truly, you know, by end of October, before the water shuts off, no one's really visiting anymore. So what happens when this couple just wants to get one little last getaway in, you know, and yeah, that's it. I love it. Like you say, it is a straightforward haunting story, but it has this very sort of modern spin on it because it is not just, it's not as in so many of these, uh, an old house that somebody has bought or inherited or something. It's very millennial. It's, it's something that, you know, they've rented for the weekend from somebody through a third party, we find out. And, you know, it is instead of the sort of traditional male-female couple, it is a female-female couple. And that's, I think it adds even sort of an extra layer to that, uh, that creepiness of being in an unfamiliar place out in the middle of nowhere and having this, this old lady who is, uh, you know, sort of obtrusively 
uh, helpful. I don't know if that's the word, but you know, it's certainly yeah, what they li- think they're doing. I like that. Thank you for calling her that because <laughs> yeah, we don't really know what's going on with her. You know, obviously I wanted to kind of what we've seen so many times that older kind of creepy odd is she like something wrong you know but yeah she is cautiously trying to help them but also trying to stay out of their way is she a little uh, not homophobic but a little uncomfortable with two women needing one bed you know i kind of wanted to play with all those different emotions and expectations there but yeah i i being part of the lgbtq community i know obviously there's such a crossover with horror fans and the gay community right so like my previous short family history at the the core of it was it was horror that came out uh from being gay you know being gay caused bad stuff to happen to this family to this person you know and so that was very much being gay was was like the core of that story whereas with twin i just wanted a gay couple but literally it could have been a straight couple it could have been a mom and child it was very periphery i didn't want it to be like the main main focus that it's like oh it's a gay couple going on vacation they're just a couple you know and they just so happen to be two young women so that's kind of one of the what i wanted to go with this one because we've seen couples get a new house or go on vacation and bad things happen but they're always straight so i'm like let's just like do a little tweak and then the rest of it is you know normal we just have two women yeah, well, the, we so often see these stories with just the straight, regular straight-coded couple. And then sometimes you have a queer-coded monster, where in this yeah. case, it's the other way around. We have a, kind of a um, hetero-coded monster <laughs> that is yeah. our uh, antagonist, which I, I, I really appreciated there. Because, you know, we've talked about a lot of movies, like we recently talked about Psycho Gorman and how yeah. you have like these these kind of queer-coded monsters and things like that and how so often people in that community lgbtqia people we usually identify with the with the other Mm. but then it's so it's it's still refreshing to see that at the front and center protagonist as opposed to we don't have to or the first person to die you know yeah we don't have to dig for the representation either right yeah absolutely i wanted it to be front and center but like i said like but that's it like there's one or two lines that it's funny because like my my sound guy even said like um did you write this i was like yeah and he was like and you're okay with that line what does that line mean when she says it's like a a house for gay hobbits and it's so funny (laughs) because i'm like yeah i wrote it and that's like i feel like i said that exact same thing when i saw the cottage for the first time it is and that's great and that that's not a knock on anyone like so it was just funny but i i thanked him for being concerned about that and like is that what you really want them to say i'm like yeah because these girls are here especially one of them is kind of here to party and of course it's a house for gay hobbits and let's embrace it you know i kind of wanted to have them front and center but then that was it there's no other meaning behind it other than it's just a couple that's having some conflict over their differences and then in comes the only male character in the story i i wanted all women except for I knew the bad guy had to be a guy, a straight guy mm-hmm. that we learn at the end of the film. Something happened to him and he he lost it and he did attack his girlfriend, wife, who then killed him. Right. So she still owns this cottage. His spirit lurks there. But, um, yeah, I wanted the bad guy to be a man who is straight and putting these women in a scary situation, which that, of course, is typical for horror, you know, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, abusive exes are always hard to get rid of, right? <laughs> they always just hang around a little too long. Yeah, they're always watching yeah. you no matter what, how alive they are. <laughs> right. And that was the tricky thing because obviously I wanted this. I'll tell you right now, this is the honest reason why I wrote this film. Because we were getting rid of that twin bed, which was inherited with the cottage. It was cool. We had, we were able to put three people in the cottage, but the bed was creepy. That, that's what was really there. It's an old frame. And we were like, you know what? Like, we don't want three people anymore. It invites people to have a party atmosphere in the cottage. We, you know, we would Airbnb it. So we're like, let's just make it a two-person thing. Let's get rid of the bed. We'll actually have some chairs here. And so I was like, well, before we get rid of the bed, I really like want to make a movie about it. So that's honestly why twin exists, you know? Um, but yeah, like I, I, and I kind of love that the idea is sort of silly and stupid. It's a haunted bed. Like it feels so 80s, right? But at its core, it is about unhealthy relationships, both mm-hmm. our, our current couple and then what we learn about in the past. So there is, I hope, like a serious kernel there, like when couples aren't working well together, bad things can happen, any sort of bad thing. But so that's like the serious part, but then that's like 10% of it. But then the rest is all just your fun, silly, straightforward ghost story. Well, yeah, because you have, well, with the bed, you have this place where people are most vulnerable, usually in relationships, which has that significance. And you actually preemptively answered a question where I was wondering about the bed, but that's, uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty clear there. I do like the fact that it doesn't really focus so much on trauma from from this event for one of the characters you know the characters themselves are are happy and comfortable with who they are yeah they fight but they don't seem to like fight they seem to fight casually not like right um the, the serious rift in the relationship but it's this outside influence that is the real problem uh yeah which is supernatural uh and explicitly so you were mentioning earlier that that you've been a fan of horror for a long time how did you get into horror was it something that as as a kid you were into oh yeah i I was freddy krueger when i was six years old for halloween oh yeah so the neighbors apparently i don't really remember because i was like loving life that night but i do remember my dad said yeah the neighbors were really upset with me but like yeah so my dad i we we watched a lot of movies together i mean there i feel like there are old vhs tapes of me watching tv like i just was that kid <laughs> so yeah i loved horror i want to say you know uh nightmare on elm street was definitely one of my early horror films super scary still scary to this day so movies like that i loved and then of course when scream came out that totally i was around nine or ten when i finally saw it I want to say it was around 10 because I missed that one in theaters, but then I rented it and of course had a friend spoil everything for me because I had to know. But that really made me realize, oh, I need to like, these people are me and I need to be part of this world and I have to write and I have to direct my own horror because I got to be part of that, the thrills and the mystery. So yeah, it's something I'm always drawn towards. And I love working on other genres, like for other people, but I just really love a good thriller. Like when I'm making a thriller, it just feels... Right. Yeah. I, I could relate as a creator. I can relate. There's a, there's that area that you feel at home in and then you're willing to, to work on other. It's fun to dance in someone else's world or genre, but then you have your core and that really does show with twin. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, the, the main in October for starters, I was like, oh yeah, this person is into horror. Like this is a, <laughs> this is a, uh, like, a nice little signal to me that like, oh yeah, they know what, where they are and what they're doing. 
Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. And we were like, so, I was so bummed that it was like raining because uh, as you, as you know, from the film, you know, we're right kind of on like a busy road and I'm like, oh, that's going to be terrible for sound. But you know what? It all, I think, worked out perfectly that of course, you know, it's like how many times have we gone on a little getaway and it's like, oh, it's a little rainy, but we'll still have fun, you know? So it feels very natural and it only adds to the ominous vibe from the get-go. Yeah, it feels very Maine, for sure. <laughs> with, yep. Mm-hmm. Especially with the lobster traps. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that really jives with the, like, the feeling between this couple, especially towards the second half where they're not getting along as well. I think we've all been, we've all had that experience of going on a vacation with another person and then, like, uh, not being able to go anywhere because of the weather right. or, or something like that. Just being stuck in that same space together, especially when you're already frustrated with each other. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Obviously, conflict is always necessary in any story. But I thought this cottage is literally tiny. It's like 200 square feet. So what happens when, yeah, the weather isn't ideal? Even if it wasn't raining, it's the end of October, which can all of a sudden start snowing, you know? So maybe it's not the best time for this trip. And then the two of them have different goals one wants to explore while one just wants to like start the drinking both cool but like not meshing and yeah then on top of all that now you only have two rooms to be in so you can't kind of can't even have your own space so yeah all that tension just keeps building and then one of them makes the mistake of getting in that bed and ignoring the rules right out for those beds (laughs) those haunted beds uh right as someone, as my folks also have a vacation house with a haunted room. Oh, so, they're real. Okay. Yeah. Now, what but, has happened in the haunted room? Have you heard or seen things? Uh, well, everyone has weird dreams in that room. Oh. And we've, yeah. every so often, we have a freak out. We talked about this in a couple other uh, episodes where we talk about the, the inherent creepiness and that kind of dissociation of being in somebody else's space when you're like not really full, you know, you can't usually become fully comfortable there's still kind of like a, a a schism of how to act and who you are there so having this story take place in a vacation rental for me also spoke to a very familiar and very personal experience with like the experience of being somewhere you know you're supposed to be having fun but you still have to like be on the watch for things oh um, yeah so that's a great point yeah yeah even uh, i feel like for me personally, wherever I am, even if it's like an awesome hotel, the first night is always a little weird, right? Like yeah. I kind of have to like get situated in like, what's that dark corner, you know? So <laughs> yeah, even if it's the coolest place or it's so cute, I just feel like it's rare if that first night is totally smooth. And especially yeah. a place like this, where my goal was to always get outside of the cottage because uh, at least for a little bit, you know, and that was to show, I wasn't even expecting that for my great DP, Ian, to get so much great B-roll of the place that we could use for transitions. He was like running all over the place. It was amazing. Cause I, I, when I am working, I rarely have an AD cause I'm sort of like director and AD mm-hmm. and doing a few things. So he was able to do it on his own, but I always knew I wanted to get one of them out of the house to get something from the car. Also just to build the tension of what's going on inside with Naomi. But when Michelle goes to the car to get something, I wanted to show how creepy that this beautiful little cottage community that looks so cute in the daytime at night when there's not a lot of activity, whoa, all the shadows and very few lights, you know, then it's a different world to get used to. Yeah. I I think it it was interesting to me in that, like, you're watching a horror movie. So, of course, you when somebody breaks the rules, you're like, oh, that's going to have terrible consequences Mm -hmm. for them. 
but also as somebody who's like rented out places like this before you, you get those weird instructions from the people that own them. And you're like, what does that even mean? Like, why would they put that in here? Like, I'm, I'm not going to listen to this. It, it seems so <laughs> realistic in that respect that it's like, right. You know, you get people that are like, all right, we need you to take every sheet that's in the whole house and drag them to this one particular room and put them in this space and only use this thing in this room. And it's like, okay, but why didn't I just, didn't I pay to be here? You know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, and I see it from both sides, right? I totally obviously see it from the homeowner side where it's like, yeah, like this is part of the deal. You need to do that. But then I see like, yeah, you're on vacation, right? Like rules, like, well, I'm giving you money, you know? So I wanted to show that juxtaposition between the two of them where one is a little bit more of a rule follower and one isn't, but yeah, that's a totally valid for someone to be like, don't use the bed. Well, why is it here? Well, it's there because the owner, this woman who we don't know, we've never met her. We never will meet her. I wanted to keep it kind of vague. Maybe she tried to remove that bed. I know I would have if I had to kill my significant other years ago when he was trying to attack me, but maybe something happened and she cannot touch that bed. It's got to just stay there, you know? So it's these things that we just assume like, well, that's dumb. When it's like, well, there's a meaning behind it. Just don't go near it, you know? Yeah. Well, sometimes you can't get something to happen, especially at like those vacation rentals. You had to get somebody out there to right. move a whole mattress out of this right. tiny space or right. whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, I, with some of my shorts, I have like a whole feature idea behind it. With this one, I really don't, but I do have more of like a backstory idea. And, and, cause, and just thinking about like, you know, when something bad happens, especially in such a, I mean, the, you could just like touch the other cottage, right? They're all very close to each other. But when something terrible like that would happen in a, in a little cute home like that, what would all the other owners think? Like how awful and what were you guys doing in there for him to be so drunk and belligerent and you had to kill your husband or boy, you know, like all the rumors, right? So how terrible would she feel, right? Like she had to survive. She had to kill him. I, I probably wouldn't even want to like look at any of the neighbors. Like I wouldn't even want to sell it. But for whatever reason, right, she has had to keep it to not piss off his spirit or something. Right. I get I wanted to kind of keep it open. But yeah, you know, I, I, I was just I wanted to kind of somehow get it across then that the owner, yeah, should not be renting this out. This is not good what she's doing. She is a villain kind of. Right. Yeah. But maybe she's stuck and she kind of has no other choice. And so in that case she's sort of a tragic villain you know obviously she's not the one causing this she's sort of not helping anything but maybe her hands are tied so there's like a sadness there there's like a darkness that i wanted to show in the end credits spoiler alert sorry everybody um you know where our neighbor does know that story she has owned her place for a while and she's also now feeling guilt and because maybe she should have spoken up and so yeah, there's a few different layers there of like, you know, it's like I said, it's fun and it's straightforward, but like there is like a, a sad history that's continuing that is just kind of making this cute place dark, you know? Yeah. And that also speaks to the uh, idea of tradition in a lot of these communities where you have these, right. these communities that hold up a very, very bucolic facade and then you have all of this history and then you have these salt of the earth people, very traditional people, traditional residents, et cetera. And then th these millennial girls are coming in mm -hmm. and this conflict of humanity and also xenophobia 
having that all embedded there touches on a lot of great horror foundations, the new versus the old and the ghosts of the past and things like that, um, which is all kind of tied up nicely here. Thank you. Okay. I was, I was going to say, I really appreciate that this, this is a, a horror film that features gay characters, but it, the horror isn't about being gay. And I think like, that's an important message, I think, for people to take as, you know, creators and filmmakers and things like that, because I think, you know, there is such a large queer community around horror and people that have really gotten into it. And you mentioned Scream, and I, I think it's so interesting that a lot of like, a lot of people's experience in queer horror, I think, starts with Scream because there's nothing explicitly gay about Scream, but you have Kevin Williamson's voice behind it. And, you know, some of the later scenes with the two killers are so mm -hmm. homoerotic. And I, mm -hmm. I think it's nice to see sort of that stuff that is, is they're moving towards the center of the, the film and like that it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, that the source of the horror has to do directly with people being gay. You can have right. representation in these stories without necessarily making it a message movie or message yeah. kind of story. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I am all for it being a message. That's awesome too. And, and like I said, that's what I did with family history because being gay is very front and center, but yeah, every now and then it's like, I just want to see a good, scary movie that has queer characters that it's not a big deal whatsoever. They are just normal living, breathing people. Not a big, like, you know what I'm, It's not even, even saying the, the phrase, not a big deal, even feels like too big of a thing to say. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they're, they're queer. Okay, let's continue, you know? So I wanted that to come across here that, but like I said, with the gay hobbit house line, and then with one other moment where Michelle wants this neighbor who's been kind of off leaves, you know, she asked her partner, uh, do you think she was being weird? Cause it's like, we're together. And then they just blow it off because that's real. I feel like sometimes yeah. I'm even my head like, is that like a weird thing or whatever? But then it's over. And then it's like, all right, you know, and that's it. And they're just two. They're just a couple. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I'm sure in future shorts I make with queer characters, it'll probably go back and forth. Like I have one idea that's super dark and terrifying. I don't know how I came up with it. It's pretty crazy. But it is a, a gay couple hooking up in a car on your lover's lane, you know, that old kind of story that we've heard, ooh, you know, and then someone's outside and that is explicitly about being gay, right? Mm -hmm. But then I have other ideas where it's like, yeah, yeah, he's gay or bi or whatever. And I might not even know, honestly, when I'm writing, I'm like, they're just queer. I don't even know exactly if they're gay or bi or whatever, but they're queer and we're going to move on, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, think yeah. It's, I think it's an interesting uh, example as well for a lot of uh, writers who who want representation in their stories and uh, aren't necessarily of, of those communities. Because I think as somebody who uh, writes comics myself, I, I get questions about how do you approach having people of different backgrounds in your story? And it's like, all right, well, you can tell a story with people of different backgrounds without it having to be about that background. Because it's not necessarily your place as a non-black person or a, a non-queer person to tell a story that is about being that type of person but yeah. that doesn't mean that you can't have those types of characters in your story and that you can't provide some sort of representation absolutely that's true yeah and and i think obviously write whatever you know and feel comfortable with right but yeah like why not be as diverse as possible and 
you know, respectful at the same time. And if you don't want it to be a thing, it definitely does not need to be a thing. You know, that's kind of how I'm like approaching things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And personally, my only issue with the gay hobbit line was that it was a little bit redundant. Because our oh, okay. hobbit slightly gay. I'm not curious, yeah. but I thought it was, I actually thought it was something <laughs> that, that hobbit I would not cottage core, you know? Right. Cottagecore <laughs> and gay. Like I've <laughs> Yeah. Um, I have never seen more explicit representation in like promotional materials than I have for the return of the king at that time of, <laughs> of my life. But yeah. uh, for real though, like I it is something that one of my friends would have would have said about that. Right. Like, yeah. It's yeah, it was very, very natural. And and it's also good to have like even if you're not making a story about how queer the characters are, it's also good to have something that acknowledges that because there's a there's a lot of people out there that want to find queer content that are looking for it, but creators aren't explicit about it. And there's a lot of things that are mass distributed that that are heavily influenced by editors and corporations yeah. and whatever. Um, and so they there's sort of a dancing around the issue. But I think it is important, even if it's not like about that, to have something in there that's like, yes, they are a couple. They're not just like gals being pals. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and also because we shot this, of course, like during COVID, we shot this in one day at the end of October 2020. Okay. So, of course, I wanted to be as as careful as possible long before the vaccines and everything. So, yeah, I think if it wasn't COVID, I probably would have had them do a quick kiss somewhere, maybe like when they cheers and do a little. But I was like, I don't even want to chance it. So I was worried that it's like, do these two look like they're friends at first? But then I thought, you know what? Maybe that's kind of, again, kind of part of the expectation of two girlfriends, whatever, like friends who are girls, right? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, later, once they tell our neighbor friend, like, oh, we only need one bed, then we're sort of getting it co confirmed as she is, you know? So I thought that's fine. Yeah, that works, you know? Yeah, but um, yeah, I agree. You want to you wanna be able to make sure, obviously, they are a couple, everyone knows, but then that was kind of it. Then it's like, all right. Then the rest is just, yeah, moving on, normal life. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And you mentioned COVID. There is so much that's so early, mid-2020 about this film and the like the neighbor walking up and then both sort of scurrying to put on their masks. And yep. you know, it, it seems very familiar in that way. <laughs> it's yeah, without, you know, that and, being a thing that really beats you over the head with COVID. Right. Right. I wanted it to feel like it really was October 2020 or honestly even... February, March, 2022. But yeah, I didn't want it to hit people over the head with it. But, and also it just sort of added, it just felt like in my head, I'm just, as I was writing, I was like, yeah, I feel like I would just carefully want to put on my mask because I don't know this person. It just adds a little bit to that tension that I wanted to just slowly let build throughout the whole thing. And some of my crew were like, so yeah, so this is like set like now, like you don't want to like ignore COVID because it'll be done. I'm like, no, because even when it's done, I feel like at least some of us are going to want to be a little cautious. You know, and yeah. here we are. So I, I, and I, I think that answers any question people might have had about why are they up here alone during this, you know, just before the end of season? It's like, I, especially in 2020 in October, people were just like, I was ready to be anywhere where there wasn't my house. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great yeah. point that I haven't thought much about yet. By then you would want to go away. And actually, if it's not that busy, great. You know, yeah, that better. works for me, you know? Yeah, totally. So it all luckily, yeah, it all came together 
you know, pretty well, even if I didn't plan all of that at all, I'm pretty proud of it. It feels like it hit everything I needed it to hit. You know, I think if we had more time, because it was all in like 10 and a half hours in one day, you know, I think if we had more time and maybe a little bit more money, it would have been fun to have our our villain a little scarier, a little grosser. I was really thinking of like, I don't know, wet or something, you know, but (laughs) whatever, you know, it all you guys get it. He's scary. You know. It's, yeah, no, it's, I mean, yeah. it works. It certainly works, yeah. especially like I, I can't remember the name of the actor, but his like face, his like creepy smile is yeah. very good. Oh, he <laughs> was so young. Yeah, my friend Garrick, who is, a, is a, really a photographer, he and like I had very few men submit for the role who I could like actually like count on and see uh, in this role. So I was like, hey, Garrick, remember when you said like you were open to acting? Like, can you be like my bad guy? And he was totally down and actually got pulled over that night because he he had to go about an hour back home, back north. So by the time we wrapped around, I guess it was like 1030 or 11. He's like, all right, I need to get home. And he got pulled over for speeding in full. And it was it was only a few days before Halloween. It was only like I want to say it was like October twenty eighth. So this officer was like, are, "What are you coming from a Halloween party?" And he's like, "No, I'm coming from a horror movie shoot," which was just probably even weirder for this cop to hear. But it's would have said, "Yes, yes, I'm coming." Right? From a Halloween party. I'm coming from a yeah. Halloween party. You know, totally. So I guess he wanted. I guess he wanted to specify that it was a shoot. He's like, "I haven't been drinking. I just have been oh yeah on all day, and I really need to get home." So that's all. Yeah, so perfect. I'm like, of course you got pulled over looking like that. So yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to be pulled over at any other time unless I was like made up all crazy, right? Yeah, Uh, it'd be so tempting to just like like glare out the window or something. Character, yeah, right. (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. But yeah, that going back good. to Scream real quick, I, I'm just, I have to just shout out, yeah, Kevin Williamson, I've loved his stuff. And like you you said, Jeremy, um, yeah, there's, at least luckily, I don't know if you guys have seen the latest film, but there's now like an official like queer character uh, where we know for sure, thank God. I mean, it took a, a while actually for those movies <laughs> to get there. Yeah. But yeah, at least we have like Kevin Williamson and um, I, at least uh, there's of course no one else coming to mind right now, but you can feel that dialogue in those early movies, especially is just so great and so savvy. And maybe that's why I thought like, whoa, this is me talking to my friends because of that great queer voice. I think this, this might just be because we're about to talk about Happy Death Day on the podcast. But uh, oh, yeah, that, oh, that, yeah. that comes very much to mind. And Wait. Christopher Landon has, I think, a, a lot of that same that same feel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and um, I can't remember if Christopher Landon, right? I don't think yeah. he did. He direct Freaky. Yes. I loved Freaky. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, and I loved Freaky. And what also what a great gay character. And, you know, and again, just the, the dialogue and it, it just feels it feels gay in a great way. Like it just feels <laughs> like, yeah, we're bouncing. We're moving like there's like life to this. There's an energy that, um, you know, some horror just doesn't have. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so usually when we have a, a, a guest on, we ask for some sort of recommendation to do with uh, whatever we're reviewing or talking about. Is there something that you think under the radar, a great movie or the horror or something that uh, you would recommend people check out? Oh, my gosh. What a great question. I just always go back to Host, the Shudder film. Did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, from... I that one. So I know that's not really under the radar, but it's still, I feel like, not everyone knows about it. Like I was terrified and I thought that was great and great actors and I never knew where it was going. I feel like that came out at a time where we had some really good 
smaller horror. So there was that. There was Relic, which I really liked with Emily Mortimer. You guys probably have seen that. And then um, The Rental, Dave Franco's film with Alison Brie and Dan Stevens. I thought that was pretty terrifying as well. And how perfect a a vacation rental. Uh, I have to see that know. one. Oh, yeah. Before yeah. Word. Spe- especially with your, your vacation rental uh, experience. Check that out. I liked it a lot because it was a slow burn, uh, good character stuff. And I was scared. Oh, my God. I was scared. Yeah. Awesome. So those those at least those three, that era of like summer 2020 horror really stuck with me. Anything more recent, it's kind of a blur, but I know there's been some other stuff. Dan Stevens has some surprising horror chops because he's he's in that yeah. and then he's in The Guest. The Guest, yeah. He's a genuinely spooky character, I guess. It's not, yes. not what, what I would have expected if I seen him. Right. Absolutely. He's so like so stoic and still and like yeah, he's I need to rewatch that. He's great with Micah Monroe, I think is her name, who then did It Follows. Yeah. Yeah, the guest was was really unique and blended a few different genres really, really well. And I love the ending in the school, like at the dance. It felt very like prom night uh, or something. It just felt like 80s in the best way. So, yeah. Yeah, it's really great. Well, we could talk to you all day, but we don't want to hold you up forever. But we would like you to let people know where they can find out, you know, more about your films, your work online and where, you know, they maybe they can follow you in addition to, of course, checking out the Nevermore Film Festival. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, Nevermore, I know, is starting Friday the 25th and it goes for a week. So if you're in the certain states that will show it, definitely feel free to check out Twin. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook, MJPPOV. Um, I'll post different things on there. You can check out my Vimeo. It's vimeo.com slash Mark J. Parker or YouTube. But I think I have some more stuff on Vimeo. Feels a little bit more professional or something, right? But so, yeah, you can see some of my other films, Sticks, Family History. I just released my Scream fan film the day before the newest film. I'm like, I really waited way too long to do this, but um, I'm pretty proud of that. It's called 25 Years After Woodsboro. So that's all online, uh, free to watch right now. But yeah, check me out on um, Instagram, Facebook. I have a podcast called Release Date Rewind, where we talk about old movies that are hitting milestone anniversaries. So that's kind of fun and super nerdy. And you guys should totally come join me on an episode for something. Love to. Love right? To. Absolutely. Yeah. All different genres, not just horror. But yeah. you know, I, I'm a you know equal opportunity movie watcher. But yeah, that's kind of uh, where I'm at, I think, everywhere. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. We'll, we'll put that on the God. show notes as well as uh, all the links and everything to Nevermore so people can check it out physically if they're in the Durham area or anywhere. I think it's in, it's a good chunk of the South that you can watch it as yep. they're coming out. I think it's up till March 3rd. It'll be available digitally. Yep, exactly. All right, well, thank tickets. you again so much, Mark, yeah. for joining us. Um, it's been thank a ball. treat. It's It's been so nice. Thank you guys so much. And this is so great. And thank you, Nevermore, for pairing us up. This is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And to all our listeners, be sure to check uh, Mark's stuff out. And until next time, stay horrified. <laughs>